Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Uh, how are we doing this morning? Good morning. Uh, my name is Sean O'Connor. I'm a middle school pastor here at Salem Alliance, and we all know that middle school is the best age. Amen? Come on, where are my people? That's what I'm talking about. Wow, all right. That was our best response, actually. <laughs> that was good. I wasn't respect- expecting that. That was good. That was good. I love middle school students. Uh, it might not be for everybody, but honestly, I believe that's the age where, where God does, um, I mean, God does amazing things all the time, but, but uh, that's a powerful age, that there's something about middle school, and I love what I get to do. Uh, if you're new here, we have a, a, a tradition in, in August called Family Gathers, and we invite all youth and, and children to actually join us in big church, this. Uh, and so we have bigger groups, which is fun. And we just want to be together as a family. The other tradition is we get fruit snacks. So I want to invite all the ushers to come on down, bring your fruity, fruity, fruit snacks. And uh, you can pass those down. Everyone gets a fruit snack. And let me just tell you, if you want to make a friend, even if you don't want a fruit snack, grab one. And give it to somebody else. You'll be friends for life. Uh, it's a great way to meet other people. Just grab somebody. Hey, you want my fruit snack? It's great. While that's happening, if you want to get ahead of the curve, we're going to be reading out of 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's on page 460 in your pew Bible. So if you want to turn there right now, 1 Samuel chapter 16, you'll be ahead of the curve. And then as that's happening, because... Y'all are great with multitasking. We, we tasked our church body with a competition or a contest, a Lego contest. We're in a series called Legos. And so we said you could submit your uh, Lego creations at the beginning of this month. And the winner, there's a winner every week. The winner this week is Kayla Brown, who created this. Let's give it up for Kayla. <laughs> Kayla Brown. Uh, the category was cars, and so he created this killer flying car, uh, and he will get, at the next service, he's going to be there, and he's going to get a, a, a Lego pack, Lego kit, which is pretty cool. So like I said, my name is Sean O'Connor, uh, and I'm excited to be here, but I don't get the privilege of speaking from the platform here that often. Usually, I'm in the, in the youth center speaking, and so I'd love for you to feel like you know me a little bit more. Okay, if that's okay with you. I'd love, I'd love for you to feel like you know me and know who I am. So I just want to show a few pictures and, and maybe throw in a video there or whatnot. We'll, we'll just see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But this first picture is, this is my family. And uh, I know you're all saying, ah, me. I'm, I'm in the center there. And uh, to the right is my wife. And she's amazing. Her name's Jill. We've been married for six years. And I know what you're all thinking. He married up. And I know, I know you're like, how did he, well, it happened. I roped her in and somehow, somehow I got her. So yeah, she's amazing and I'm honored to live life with her. And that is our son, eight-month-old son, Maverick. Uh, and he is just the cutest little thing. Uh, I love playing with him, wrestle, wrestling with him. It makes me feel good about myself because I can beat him. So it's like kind of, kind of this instant self-esteem booster. And uh, speaking of Maverick, he's got, I've given him some of my characteristics, obviously, that's kind of what happens when you have a child. But one of the things I gave him, I think, was my laugh. So just, here's a little video. (laughs) 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 
goes. He just goes and goes with, with that laugh. And, and sometimes we're like, is he crying or laughing? It's, it, there's a fine line in between there. But he is super special to us. And I feel like we should just end there. You know what? You got your fruit snacks. We saw a cute kid. Let's pray. And we could just finish. And uh, that would be a good weekend. That would be pretty fun. The, the, uh, two more pictures I want to show. Well, three. Three. Uh, the, the last thing you kind of really need to know is that I have a cat, and there's my cat. Uh, I've always been a dog person, but I got a cat somehow, and you see my, do you, do you see him? You see him? His name's Duke Silver. Here, maybe this next picture will help you. There he is. There he is. No joke. I turn over, and I'm like, where's Duke? <laughs> he's just kind of, he's weird, right? Cats are weird. Anybody a cat person out here? I mean, you got to agree, they're kind of weird, you know, like, but I, I love him. He's a good kitty. He's a good kitty. The last thing I want to show you, when I was a kid, I used to play with Legos. Here's a picture of Maverick uh, playing with Legos. Look at those eyes. Oh, he's playing with Legos. Don't worry. Uh, his Oma, my mom was right there to make sure he didn't, he's at the stage where he puts everything in his mouth. So this could have been dangerous. So she was right there. He did it. Uh, but, but he loves playing with things. And, and when I was a kid, I always loved playing with Legos. Actually, I like playing with Legos now. Anybody, anybody else? Who, who, when you're a kid or now, like Legos, they're timeless, right? You can play with them all the time. And, and oh yeah, I'm playing them with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that before. Like we love Legos. They're fun. And so at, when I heard that, that the series was going to be Legos, I started thinking about, okay, God, what, what, what do you want to say? And I couldn't get out of my head the Lego movie. Right, the Lego movie. Who's seen the Lego movie? We're doing a lot of interaction here. Oh, okay, about, about half of y'all. Okay, maybe a little less. Lego movie, first time I saw it, honestly, I thought it was super overrated. I was like, this movie is terrible. What's everybody talking about? And then the second time and third time, and because I'm a middle school pastor, the fourth and the fifth, no joke, sixth time, I was like, okay, I actually kind of like this. You know, I started, I realized, oh, this is actually a super clever movie. So as, as I was doing some research, here's some, uh, some facts that you probably didn't know about the, the Lego movie. There are, did you know, that there are 3,863,484 animated Lego pieces in the movie? Did you know? I bet you didn't. I didn't. And in fact, it's not going to be up there, but, but if they made this whole movie with real Legos, it would have it taken over 15 million pieces. Pretty incredible. They used 182 mini figures uh, to create this movie. They incorporated elements like scratches and dust, fingerprints and seam lines in the Legos to make it look realistic. It's an incredible movie. In fact, from, from the, the concept and then pitching the idea uh, of making this Lego movie to completion, from concept to completion, it took six years for them to create this movie. Pretty incredible. The whole movie's created in CG, which is computer graphics, uh, and, and, and it's all animated, but there is actual stop motion in the movie. In fact, the CG was designed to replicate stop motion, and it took me back, when I watched the Lego movie for the first time, it took me back to when I was a kid, and I would play with Legos, and I found my parents' video camera. I found the camera and I suddenly realized this magic called stop motion where I could take a really quick video 
and then move the pieces just a little bit. Take a quick video, move the pieces. In fact, you can do it, it's easiest, e- easier with a phone or a camera. You could move the pieces, take a picture, move the pieces, take a picture. This idea of stop motion, and it brings the Lego pieces to life. So, since I'm doing a series on Legos and talking about Legos, I couldn't think of a better reason to make a Lego stop motion video. So, I got a couple friends, I got Braden and Logan to help me, and we created a masterpiece, okay, a masterpiece Lego movie. It's about a minute long. I hope you enjoy. And the Lord said to moi, hey everyone, my name is Steve Fowler and this is my trusted steed. I was just reading the Bible, let me take these out. And it reminded me of a story about a skunk and some dead fish. It all began. Hey, I'm Trina and this is my house. Hey Trina, hey Steve. What's that smell? I don't know. Smells like some fish and a skunk. Must be under our house. Let me get my gun and my flashlight. Do, 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 do. It's over here, Steve. Look what I found. Yay, let's ride off in the sunset together. There it is, there it is. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, you guys like that? That was good, that was good. Okay, I didn't expect that reaction, that was good. If you didn't catch that, that was a reenactment of a true story that Steve talked about a few weeks ago in our last series, how some skunks dragged some dead fish carcasses under their house. Great story, amazing message. Check it out, you can look at that, uh, find it on, on live stream. But when I made this with Logan and Braden, I was quickly reminded of a fact about stop motion. And if you've done stop motion, you know probably what I'm going to say, that it takes a long time. It takes forever, right? If you've done it, you know what I'm talking about. And the reason is because for every one second of finished video, for every one second of finished product, it takes 24 pictures to create that. For every one second of finished product, it's 24 frames, 24 pictures, 24 times that you have to click the shutter, 24 times that you have to move the the Legos, 24 times that you can make a mistake, and we made a lot. (laughs) And so it takes a long time, this process. That video was just, just over a minute long. And in fact, if I would have just taken all the clips that we did, that we took all the pictures and just put it in 24 second increments or 24 frames per second, which is regular cinema, it would have been 12 seconds long. <laughs> so I elongated some of the scenes to make it make sense. But it takes forever. That took us just over two hours. It was just under 300 pictures, and it took forever, even with three of us. And I want to show you, because uh, I could tell you about it, but I want to show you, we actually took a video of us making the video. It's not as long. Here, check this out. Okay. She's going to be coming out. Okay, I need to come on this side as well. Okay, let's. Let's do this, Steve. Okay, and I'm going to lower this. Okay. Steve's crawling under. 
She's coming out. Let's do one more. She's coming out. Oops. I'm going to redo that one. Are we going to put the fish under or? Yeah. How boring is that? Oh, man. I mean, if you had to watch that for a minute, that'd be rough. That was only like 12 seconds. And I'm getting somewhere, trust me, I'm getting somewhere. We're not just watching a bunch of things. But it's not super glamorous when we look behind the scenes, right? It's not that exciting. It's a lot more fun to watch the finished product. Here's what I'm getting at. We see this finished product, this well done, this put together piece. It's clean, it's quick, it's easy to watch. But we don't normally see behind the scenes. We don't normally see all the time and the work that it took to get there. The finished product usually never shows what it took to make. It, didn't sh- it doesn't show the work that it took to get there, meaning we never get to see behind the scenes of someone's life. We never get to see how they became the man or the woman that they are. We usually go through life without seeing behind the scenes. Most of us know the story of King David in the Bible. We know of his triumphs with Goliath. We know of his failings with Bathsheba. We know that he was courageous, a man after God's heart. We know that he was a shepherd who became a king, but do we know how he became the king? In fact, do we know what it took for him to become the king? Do we know behind the scenes in David's life? I told you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're gonna be reading a few verses from there, so if you wanna open it up. Starting in verse one, it says this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Pause there. Samuel, this guy who's a prophet from God and a a judge to Israel, his voice is revered to all of Israel, the nation of Israel, as the voice of God. What Samuel says is powerful. It's important. It changes nations, and and it's revered in this whole area and this whole people group to all the Israelites. And God says to him, I've taken my blessing away from the current king, Saul, and I'm, I, I'm anointing, I want you to anoint somebody as the new king. Skip ahead to verse six. Verse six, when, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Pause there. I'm sure most of us have heard this, that that God looks at the internal, not the external, that God looks at the heart. And so Samuel is going to the sons of Jesse. He's going to his sons and he's saying, okay, it must be this guy. No, okay, it must be this guy. No, and and we're gonna read, skip ahead to verse 10. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We're not gonna sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Pause there. 
I love how sometimes the, the detail the Bible gives, he had, he had beautiful eyes, just great eyes. But I, th- I thought we said the physical doesn't, you know, I guess you could be good on, look good on the outside and the inside, okay? So there's good hope for that. Let's, I digress. It's just funny sometimes to me. It says, and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there <clears throat> among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So we have this story. A lot, of, a lot of us have heard this story where Samuel, the prophet, the voice of God to the nation, goes and, and anoints David as king over Israel. Most theologians, historians believe that, that David was 15 years old when this happened. He's 15 years old. Now, here's what most of us probably don't know. He's anointed at 15, and yet it's not until he's 37 that he actually becomes king. He's given the promise to be king, and yet that, the promise isn't fulfilled until he's 37. There's 22 years in the middle. 22 years where David's walking through what I assume would be, was, was there a mistake? <laughs> Did Samuel get this right? 22 years where David's caught in the middle of the promise and the fulfillment. 22 years where he had to wrestle with, this isn't going how I expected. And tons of life happened in that time. Just to list a few, he was attacked by Saul multiple times, the reigning king. That, that he had to fled, f- flee for his life. He went to war and led thousands of troops to war. He fled to Samuel in chapter 19, the one who anointed him which I can only imagine the, the conversation was probably like, dude, did you make a mistake? Why am I running for my life? I thought I'm supposed to be reigning this whole, I thought I'm supposed to be king. Why am I fleeing like, like a pagan? I have to act like a crazy person when I, when I run away. I, why is this happening to me? This isn't what I expected. This doesn't feel right. He actually outlived Samuel, the one who anointed him. He must have questioned God over and over in those 22 years and wrestled and struggled with it. And I wonder, how often do I question God if he's moving when I don't see the results? How often do I question if God cares when I don't see anything change? How often do I question if God hears me when I don't see any results? How often do I want the finished product, but I'm not willing to go through the process to get there? I want to be king, but I'm not willing to suffer and struggle for 22 years. We live in a very instant culture. I don't think anybody would argue with me on that. We have instant food with fast food. Social media creates instant friends. We we have entertainment is instant. Amazon, we could buy things instantly and it'll be shipped to our house. Credit cards make things instant. We're used to getting what we want when we want it. The finished product without the behind the scenes work. But what happens when the results aren't instant? What happens when we find ourselves in this middle area like David found himself for 22 years, find ourselves in this middle area where it feels like God isn't responding Hope is fading, where there isn't movement. 
There isn't healing, and we've been longing for healing. Or maybe you've been praying for work, praying for a job, and nothing seems to come up. You're praying <clears throat> that a family member would come to know Jesus, and yet they seem to just be turning further and further away from God. You're, you're praying for your marriage that's falling apart, and yet nothing seems to be happening there's no unity and you're crying out. Maybe you're here and you're praying for someone to, to, to join you in marriage. You want companionship. You want somebody to walk through life with and yet nobody is turning up. That's the right fit. Maybe you're here and you're wrestling with depression or anxiety or fear or guilt or shame and you're praying for release from that and yet it just seems to weigh you down and you find yourself caught in this middle time, this middle place where you're, you know the promise of God wants to give good gifts and yet you haven't seen movement. You haven't seen it fulfilled. What do you do when you're praying for something good but you don't see any movement? At the very beginning here, I showed a picture of my wife, me, and, and Maverick. And there it is. It's, it's a great picture. We actually took it a couple, couple weeks ago and, and I love this picture. And it's fun and we're laughing, we're having a good time and, and it looks great and everything. But what this picture doesn't show you is behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, four years ago, I was on a hike to hike uh, the middle sister with my dad, the mountain, middle sister, and uh, I get a phone call from my wife. And she calls me and she's just bawling. And, and I'm kind of a worst case scenario person. I don't know if anybody else is out there. Like, but instantly I'm like, okay, who attacked you? You know, what happened? And she ends up telling me, she, I knew she had a doctor's appointment, but she ends up telling me that we can't have kids. That outside of a miracle, having, having our own child or outside of adoption is not possible. And I'll never forget feeling I was in Bend at their sisters at that time, getting the news and just feeling, one, this longing of, I want to be with my wife. And I, I, she just, what just happened? And four years ago, we get this news and we, so we start this journey where we're in the middle of praying to God, God, please, I, I know you're able to do all things and any, will you please just give us a child? And so we start this journey of, of walking and praying and asking for a miracle and yet nothing happened. And for three years, we're praying and longing and nothing happened. There were moments of, of, of excitement and joy, but they were always followed by moments of pain. And sometime later, after we got this news that it wasn't possible for us to have a kid, we went on a staff retreat. And every two years, we normally go on the staff retreat. Our whole staff goes. It's a super cool experience for team bonding and unity and and one of the fun things that happens on this retreat is everybody on staff gets a prophetic letter. Now, Steve Fowler asks, he knows a few people who just have the gift of prophecy. And so he gives them our names and they pray over us and then they type it out. They don't even write it because we don't want to know who wrote it or, or, or we just know that it's directly for us. That somebody has prayed on our behalf and is writing this letter to us. And it's always such a cool experience. So this year, I, I get this letter, and I'm reading through it, and it's super encouraging, and, and it has all these good things that it's just saying, hey, God sees you in this way. It's just an encouraging thing that happens. And out of the blue, completely from left field, this paragraph says this, and, and before we show it real quick, this, you know, having, being, 
Struggling with infertility is not something that you just lightly bring up to people. Oh, hey, how you doing? My name's Sean. We can't have a child. <laughs> that's not something that's really lighthearted. So before we read this, I want you to know that we didn't tell many people this. In fact, this is not something we just put out there because it's hard. It's heavy. And yet at a left field, we get this, I get this letter and it says this in the last paragraph. Now listen carefully. You will have sons. How can this be, you ask? This is the same question that Zechariah, Abraham, Elizabeth, and Sarai, and Mary asked. It can be because I am, and nothing is impossible for me. You will have sons, and they will bear your name. They will bear my name. Now ask of me, and see if I do not answer you. Isaiah 11.1 is for you. I have not forgotten you. We get this news four years ago, and we wrestle through this. For three years, we're praying, and then in that time, we get this letter, and so it's this encouragement of, okay, God, I know you hear me. You haven't forgotten me, and yet even after we got this letter, it was bad news after bad news, and it, it just didn't happen. And I'm, I'm just so pumped to say eight months ago, my son was born, and he's a total miracle. He's a total miracle. Yeah. You, It's a total miracle. And I know this is my story, and yet as I'm sharing this, I know there are people out here right now that are listening. Maybe it's even on live stream or face, Facebook Live if you're listening and you're wrestling with a similar story. Maybe, maybe you've been longing for a child, but nothing's happened. Maybe you, you've been waiting way longer than three years, but Jill and I had to wait, and nothing's happened you haven't seen the fulfillment of a good gift. You haven't seen the prompt that, that God wants to give you good gifts and you're praying and longing for something, but you haven't seen any change and any movement. I want to stand here this morning and tell you that I promise God is working. He is always working behind the scenes. He is always moving behind the scenes. Amen? And he never stops. He doesn't give up. He doesn't slow down. There's nowhere in the Bible where, where, where we see that God gives up on, on, on the Israelites, on his chosen people. There's no way. And because of Jesus, that's us. That's all of us. That when you believe in him, that he will never give up on you. He'll never run away from you. That there's nothing that you can pray for and long for that he's just going to forget that God has not forgotten you. And I want to tell you that this morning. That God has not forgotten you. He hears you. For me, it was waiting. For me and Jill, it was waiting for three years as we prayed for a child. Maybe if you're in this room, it's finding a job. That in between the, the promise and the fulfillment, what you're praying for, what you're wanting, what you're longing for is to find a job to support your family. Maybe it's for reconciliation in your marriage, for healing in your marriage. Maybe, like I said earlier, you're single and you're longing for companionship and somebody to walk through life with. Maybe it's healing. You're wrestling with cancer 
or you're wrestling with a sickness and you've been longing and praying, God, please heal me or heal my, my husband or heal my father and nothing seems to be changing. I want to tell you that God is working. God is working behind the scenes. Don't give up. Take courage. He is good. Matthew 7 talks about God being a good father who wants to give good gifts, that he is a good father who wants to give us good gifts. And as I look at David's response in the time of his, of his promise, his anointing, and his fulfillment, in those 22 years, I think David gives us a glimpse of how we can act, how we can live in this middle period. It's going to be up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. It's in Psalms 31. We're going to start in verse 9. And this is at a time when David is fleeing for his life. He's not the king yet. In fact, he doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. He's in the middle. He's running away from Saul because Saul's trying to kill him. He's, he's looking around, which it has to be like, God, why is this happening? And so he writes these words, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. David is at this place. He's in the middle and he's pouring out his heart to God. And I don't know where you're at in here. I don't know what you're in the middle of, what you're wrestling through, what, what is it that you're longing for and praying for and yet you haven't seen the movement. But I can bet that almost all of us in this room have been at a place where we're crying out to God, where tears have filled our eyes, where we're saying, God, I need help. Rescue me. Help me. Save me. That's exactly where David's at. And the first thing I see that David does when he's in this middle place where he's in between the promise but not yet to the fulfillment, when he's at this place of wondering and he doesn't know he's going to be king, the first thing he does is he expresses his heart. He pours out his heart to God. He gives all of his pain, his suffering, his emotions, all that he's wrestling with, he gives it to God. He just says, God, this is, he doesn't hold back. This is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on in my life. Help me. So I'd say to you, express your heart to God. The first thing we gotta do if we find ourselves in this middle place is express your heart to God. Don't hold back. He can handle your pain, your anger, your language. He could handle it. Express your heart to God, but don't stop there. Over and over in the Psalms, David would pour out his heart, but he never would stop there. He would always go on to this next part, which I think is just as important. He starts it off by saying this, this big contrasting statement. He says, but. He pours out his heart to God, and then he says, but. I am trusting you, O Lord saying, you are my God, my future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant in your unfailing love. Rescue me. And then he says, praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. 
He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic, I cried out, I'm cut off from the Lord, but you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. The first thing David does is express his heart to God. But then he remembers. He remembers who God is and he remembers what God has done. Just a few weeks ago, I was at a Hillsong concert and uh, it was down in Reading. If you don't know who Hillsong is, Hillsong United. It's a church out in Australia. They put out a lot of Christian music and pretty incredible. And the leader of the Hillsong United group, this guy named Joel Houston, uh, he's just, he's incredible. He's got a lot of wisdom. And as he was talking in between sets, in between songs, he just kind of said this comment and it stuck with me. He said this, he said, God has never failed anyone ever He's not gonna start with you. And it was just a simple yet profound truth that so often I can find myself when I'm asking God for something and yet I don't see any movement, I don't see any change, I don't see the results, I start questioning if he hears me, I start questioning his character, I start questioning, do you care? And I know I'm not the only one. Sometimes when I don't see the results, when I don't see any movement, it can be so easy to question if God is actually doing something. And the simple truth that God has never failed anyone, ever, he's not gonna start with me. He's not gonna start with you. Through the course of history and all of humanity that he has never failed anyone, he won't fail you. He will never leave you. He is a God that wants to give good gifts. But in Matthew 7, he says, ask, keep asking. Knock, keep knocking. Seek, keep seeking. He says, come after me. Continue to come after me. For whatever you ask will be given to you. David expresses his heart to him. He can handle it for David, he can handle it for you. And then he remembers who God is, his character, his promises, and he remembers what God has done in his life, both in past, in the history, but also in his life personally. How David says, you rescued me, you saved me, you have unfailing love. God is always moving behind the scenes. And yet sometimes we see the finished product in somebody's life, but we don't see always how they got there. They don't, we don't see how God was working in their life. Let me just tell you, for that little kind of cheesy Lego movie that we watched, for every movement that those Lego pieces had, Braden or Logan or I were there to move it along behind the scenes. For every moment that they moved, there was movement, that we were moving it along, that God is working behind the scenes. And yet, as I was writing this message, I felt like God wanted to move front and center. <laughs> that God is always working behind the scenes, and yet sometimes God moves in miraculous ways, stage front, <laughs> God does amazing things so that everybody can see. Look at, look at the story of Moses and, the, and the, the splitting of the sea. That was front and center. 
Look at the story of, of Maverick and my son, that, that his, the miracle was front and center. And I felt like as I was writing this, God was saying, yes, I am working behind the scenes all the time. And yet I want to work at Salem Alliance on August 13th in the morning. So if God wants to move and God wants to reveal what he's doing behind the scenes, I want to get out of the way and let him do it. Amen? And so this morning, this morning, I'm going to ask for those that feel like you're in the middle. If you feel like you're caught in between the promise and yet not, not yet to the fulfillment, if you feel like you're in this middle area, I'm gonna ask you in a moment to stand so that we as a church can pray with you and pray for you, that we could stand on, on your behalf, we could stand in the gap. Maybe it's with your marriage. You feel like you've been longing for healing and hope. Maybe it's for a spouse Maybe if you're like Jill and I and you're wrestling with infertility. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's finding a job. Maybe it's sin that is just holding you down, shame or guilt. Whatever it is, depression. What's the thing that you're in the middle of that you know God is good and you've been longing for the good gifts and yet you haven't seen the movement or the results? I'm gonna ask you in a moment to stand and we as a church are just gonna pray for you. And I believe that God wants to do some powerful, amazing things this morning. Amen? So I want to invite you. Right now, I know it takes boldness and courage, but right now, if that's you, if you find yourself in the middle, you're not going to tell us what you're going through. We're not necessarily going to know, but I just want to invite you to stand. I see you. Will you stand if you find yourself in the middle where you're longing for, I'd love prayer. You know what you're in the middle of. Hmm. Hmm. Amen. Matthew also says, where two or more are gathered, there I am. Ask anything in my name, and it will be given. We got more than two. <laughs> so here's what I want. First of all, thanks for just having the boldness to stand. If, if those, for those that are sitting, if you want to just right now take a quick look around and what I'm going to have you do is the rest of us that are sitting are going to join you in standing, but we're just going to stretch out our hands. If you're close enough to somebody who's standing, maybe you could touch them on the shoulder if they're comfortable with that. But we're just going to pray for each other as a church body, and we're going to ask that God would do an amazing, miraculous work. So why don't you stand, look around, see somebody else that's standing, and just outstretch your hands toward them. If you want to, if you're close enough, you can put your hands on them. And let's pray as a church body that God would reveal what he's doing behind the scenes. Jesus, there is power in your name. We were just singing that over and over, that there is power in the name of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, I declare that you know all the middle. You know all the things that, that, that those who stood, you know what they're walking through. Holy Spirit, we pray for, for your power to come upon them. We pray for, for healing. For those that are dealing with cancer and sickness, Jesus, we pray in the name, uh, in your name, that they would be healed. That they would be healed right now, God. That, that the doctors would be baffled. That there's no explanation. That, that your Holy Spirit would do a miraculous work in the name of Jesus right now. And that you would take the cancer out of their body. Holy Spirit, for those that are, that are wrestling with, with even hearing and feeling your voice, Jesus, I pray that, that for those that are wrestling with, they, they desire a deeper relationship with you and yet nothing seems to be changing. I pray that you speak to them. Even right now, Holy Spirit, will you speak to them? 
Will you move in their heart that they'll feel you and they'll have their eyes just illuminated that I felt the Holy Spirit. God, it's for your glory and for your name. Lord, for those that are struggling in their marriage, I pray for healing. We pray for healing and reconciliation. Will you take the veil of sin and shame that's covering their eyes and will you remove it so that there can be healing? God, we pray for those that are struggling with infertility. God, will you show them a miracle? Jesus, you could do all things and we trust and believe and yet sometimes it's so difficult to have faith when we don't see movement. I pray, Lord, would you reveal what you're doing behind the scenes to give us courage, to give us hope. We trust and we believe in you. Lord, for those that are in here and just longing for community and friends to walk through life with, I pray that you would bring people into their life right now. You would bring people into their life that can walk through the good times and the tough times. We trust and believe in you and all these things. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being a good God. Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.